0: Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago.
1: Jeff Miller, Brian Hanley hanging out with you for another hour here on this Sunny Sunday morning here in Chicago on ESPN One Thousand, reacting to yesterday's beginning of Super Wild Card Weekend. Brian, you and I are old enough to remember when it was just Wild Card Weekend. It wasn't actually Super Wild Card Weekend.
2: <laughs> I, I remember when it was at the Super Bowl. That's how old I am.
1: So, um, wasn't I, I, a Super Bowl before? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was, ch- yeah. <laughs> it was- but
2: the NFL Championship yes. Game.
1: Yeah. Yes. Um, when I was
2: 8 years old. Uh, yeah, I think the, that's when the Packers won it for the first time, right? Yeah. Bart star in the game.
1: Before the uh yeah, before the uh, AFL and NFL merger, mm-hmm. young Jake, there was uh football before it actually existed, but of course, the Super Bowl, the uh the great marketing ploy. I believe Lamar Hunt, if I'm not mistaken, was the one who coined Super Bowl. Um and he actually, believe it or not, too, uh, I've met
2: I would imagine it was a silver coin. This isn't that where he made his money in, in silver. I think he made all his money in silver.
1: Uh, I'll have to defer to you and look that up yeah. when I go home today, but I, be- yeah. uh, I believe you. Um, I do know, too, Lamar Hunt was actually one, somebody who oftentimes was pitching the idea of a neutral site conference championship game, which we may get this year if it's the Bills against the Chiefs. Because of the Demar Hamlin stuff, uh, we found out that, the Atlanta will be the host of the AFC Championship game in the event that it is Bills against the Chiefs. So, um, and I believe, like I said, Lamar Hunt was somebody who oftentimes championed that idea long ago. So we might have our first iteration of that. And you wonder, will that lead to, you know, ch- uh, AFC and NFC Championship games having neutral sites going forward? I think it's certainly possible if it goes, if it does happen and it goes well in Atlanta. It's the perfect test balloon for the NFL, and you know how they like their opportunities to make more money. They're never going to pass up on one, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, and do you know? Do they really want to see a blizzard in Buffalo? Any you know, ensuing years when you can have climate control and. And and think about nice it, Brad.
1: to your point earlier about you know the NFL and it's it's and rightly and smartly the NFL at some point I think in the early two thousands recognized that offense sells football right and they recognize that you have to let your star your marquee players the quarterbacks play and so what's better for them than a potential Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes showdown in a dome right which mm-hmm. you could not have if either Kansas City or Buffalo would happen to be the host of that game. So we'll see. I could very you know if it goes well, I certainly could see that uh being a possibility going forward. Three one two, three three two, three seven, seven, six. Go ahead, Brian.
2: You you made a really great point about the, you know, the Bears when when Poles made that move and not knowing where that pick was gonna be mid season and but also knowing in the back of his head the odds were well against them being the number one overall pick. And I don't, you know, I know Lovey got dismissed Sunday night after the last regular season win that mm-hmm. allowed against the Colts allowed the Bears to be number one overall. I don't know if Lovey knew it was coming. That was the final middle finger to the to the organization because Houston's just a train wreck anyway. You know, all they do is they know how to their coaches. But the point is that uh, Patrick Finley wrote about this uh, a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. The last time the Bears had the possibility of the number one overall pick, even though they've been terrible for decades, right, just just bad enough or certainly not nearly good enough for the majority of that, they they lost a, a coin flip in the uh, hotel ballroom. I think it was in New Orleans. They weren't in the Super Bowl, obviously, but they were down there for it, and Pete Roselle flipped the coin, and it was with Pittsburgh. And uh, Rooney told uh, – Ed McCaskey to call it, and he called heads, and they lost the coin flip, and they ended up with you know Pittsburgh got Teddy uh, uh, Terry Bradshaw,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: four Super Bowls, yep. and the Bears got a bunch of they traded uh, the pick to Green Bay, and they got three guys who weren't even here two years later, so it was so Bears. The, the point that you now have the number one overall pick in Ryan Poles. I mean, if you don't feel the weight of the world on your shoulders, you ought to, because this is uh, this is not something. Given the the dearth of of success and talent we've had a witness in in all these decades since um, in, in those 53 years, this is, I can't even quantify how large an off season this is for, for this GM.
1: No, absolutely. And something we talked about a little bit earlier, the, the honeymoon period he has had now has extended longer than I can ever remember for a first time GM, right? It has now gone over a year Mm -hmm. where he really has been able to avoid any real criticism, right? And that's fine. It's going to, you know become he's going to become much more scrutinized here going forward because i think everybody recognized you know for those who were maybe optimistic or hopeful that the bears season would have played out differently i think they quickly recognized okay maybe i was hoping the bears would be better but it was maybe the smart move for the franchise to you know tear it all down reset so that Ryan Poles could build this team up in the image that he sees right but now you've done all that and not only do you have all this cap space because you were frugal the previous offseason, you also have been fortunate enough now where you've landed this number one overall pick and your fan base was thoroughly entertained by the product that Justin Fields was able to put on display on the field all year long, right? You know, almost, you know, coming close to breaking the NFL record for a single season uh, rushing total for a quarterback, right? He just came up short, could have broken it had he not been set that final week, and so... The city, for the most part, believes they have their franchise quarterback and they were able to watch a 14 loss season where you con- concluded with 10 in a row, by the way, 10 losses in a row. And yet there was very, you know, little angst from your fan base. And so think of, thinking about that, it really is interesting because, I, I mean, correct, can you think of any first time GM who has taken as long as Ryan Poles has to really, you know, lift off?
2: Well, you know, if Ryan polls, to answer your question, no no. Um, because a three-win team, and Mark Potash, my buddy at the Sun-Times, mm-hmm. wrote or, or said this uh, to me a couple weeks ago on, on when I was doing a Sunday show, this is the best bad Bears team he's seen in his lifetime. <laughs> and and Mark has seen a lot of bad Bears teams. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, at the point, that was a very true statement. Now, I'll rewind to the in the season. Over and under, games, uh, wins in uh, Las Vegas for the Bears was six and a half, mm-hmm. weighted to the under, right? Yep. And that seemed reasonable to me, and I think most people, it was weighted to the under because most people were betting that there weren't seven wins to be found on this schedule, even though going into the season, it was uh, considered the eighth easiest schedule among NFL teams. And I thought the Bears could flirt with seven wins, but I would have bet the under, but I also said on the air a couple times. I I get back to your your guy Matt Nagy, uh, who you're trying to get a. Oh, don't even job put him, at him at at me. Put guy, on me. Don't put that on me. Yeah, your guy. Um, I I didn't foresee because I thought they had professionals and, and adults running this team on the sideline and in the front office. I thought they might get only six wins, but I didn't foresee a five or six uh, game losing streak. Certainly not nine. Um, that we used to get accustomed to with Matt Nagy. You know, like every year there was four, five, and six uh, game losing streaks, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just part and parcel of the Matt Nagy experience. And I thought, okay, you'd probably, you could win two, lose three, and and have that kind of up and down season. But I didn't see, I didn't know he was going to get rid of uh, uh, Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith midseason. And I didn't know that the offensive line was going to go through, I think, was it five, six, seven different? Uh, iterations uh, by the time.
1: But the fact to make
2: out. Yeah, but the, the point is that you end up with that losing streak, a historic losing streak in the Bears' history. And to your point, I, the feel good is still there. I mean, everyone's still like, oh, we're good. I mean, great, you got the number one overall pick, and I'm off for that. But no one seems to be bothered by the fact that you lost four or five games that you absolutely should, could have and should have won. And yet, the honeymoon is not only going on with Ryan Poles; it's going on with Matt Eberflus, who was a defensive guy, and how that defense. And then look, I mean, it was gutted, but any even mediocre to bad teams came in here and ran up and down the field.
1: I think that leads us perfectly to our next caller, Peter and Lombard, who wants to weigh in on Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles. Peter, what's going on? You're on with Miller and Hanley. Hey, good morning, guys. How you guys doing? Doing well, man. All right.
0: Well, I'm, I'm a Poles fan. I'm an Eberflus fan. I don't see how you can judge these guys right now. I I think for polls to come in here with a plan, everyone keep on saying the easiest part is to tear down. No, because we have seen it in Chicago with the Chicago Bulls, who was trying to tear it down and never tore it all the way down. We have seen he could have easily just walked in here and did like the old regime. The old regime did is just keep status quo sign everybody else, Paul should get get a hand for, hey, you know what? I'm going to get rid of this guy. I'm going to get rid of that guy. I'm going to do this. He's the, he's the reason why we have so much money available for this year. He's the reason why we are going to get the number one pick, or it, it could either be number one or number two, that mm-hmm. we're going to get that high pick, because he decided, you know what, if I'm going to do this, let's do this the right way. I need to get rid of all of my defense, my stars on my defense. And I love when Brian said, well, we had him, you know, we picked the team to win six and a half, maybe seven games. I never understood that as as a sports fan. Like, I really don't care what somebody picks a team to do. It's what the yep. team have planned for themselves. That does not matter. Is Vegas had them to win six and a half or seven?
1: It's a great point, Peter. No, that, absolutely. It just what do you do on the field? Not necessarily, you know, what people are telling you or how much they like them. It's a great point. You are what your record is, right? Right. But
2: but he did. I mean, but Ryan Balls polls did uh, one. We all knew it was a rebuild going in, mm-hmm. and we knew he couldn't get it done in one year. But he did start tearing it down in a big way with those two moves in particular with Quinn and, and Roquan Smith. Yep. And and once he made those moves, then who knew? I mean, then the defense was you know what? A, it was a defense by by rumor or whatever. Alex Leatherwood, okay, he spent some money on that guy. How'd that help her uh, help the team? I mean, you start looking at some of the moves he's made, and the, the returns aren't great, right?
1: No, it, no, absolutely, you're right. Like again, we've kind of been you know for the most part easily distracted by our shiny new toy that is Justin Fields. He's been so fun to watch. But in the process, no winning's been done, right? And you're right. Like, when you really take a look at what he's done, we're all giving him the benefit of the doubt because there there wasn't any great expectation, five and a half wins, whatever, six and a half, six, five and a half wins, whatever it ended up being at the start of the season. It was irrelevant because we quickly found out that, all right, this is not going anywhere. And I don't think anybody, if you're a true NFL fan, do you really give a damn the difference if your team wins three wins or seven? I mean, either way, you're still a losing team that lost double digit games for the season. So definitely it's in your best interest to lose 14 and get that number one overall pick, which he's done. So, yeah, he's set them up really well and nobody was overly critical because he did choose to, you know, give himself all this flexibility, flexibility going forward. It's just going to make it, though, that much hotter under the spotlight.
2: Well, and to, to your honeymoon point, again, it's not just with Ryan Poles. It's with Matt Eberflus, mm-hmm. who, again, defensive guy, and, and even when you lose two-star guys, you could still have a better defense than that. Um, but Justin Fields, and I, I mean, I was celebrating like nobody, you know, like everybody else, that when, when Pace and, and Nagy, and, and, you know, they, I thought they were doing it to keep their jobs alive for at least another couple of years. And that's why their grand plan was not to put him on the field the first season because they were buying themselves time, right? Yep. If he wasn't out there, you couldn't really start the clock on on whether that was a good move or not. But we know what he can do with his legs, and I like all the intangibles and in his leadership and everything he says. I think I saw he was thirty sixth rated passing quarterback in a team that so not he, it's not even he's yeah. the worst passing quarterback among starters. I mean, we're now into the second tier,
1: right? Yep. 32 so, NFL teams, you're right, yes.
2: Yeah, so, so I mean, again, the honeymoon is still with Justin Fields, and I still want to believe he's the guy, but good Lord, I know there was nothing around him. I, how you judge him as a passing quarterback, and, and our, one of our Twitter polls, and, and it's going the way I thought it was going to be, should the Bears consider using the no, number one overall pick to draft a quarterback? And it's like almost 90% no. And the answer in my world is, of course they should. Everything should be on the table. And and we know and we can hear from Ryan Poles and what his answer was, but you can't just dismiss that when you have a guy who's not even the worst passing quarterback among starters. But and, and it's not fully or even mostly his his fault, Justin Fields. But everything should be on. It's a trick question. You should consider everything when you have that asset. You you can't put the the Ryan Pace blinders on and become enthralled with, you know, he became enthralled with Mitch Trubisky. And no one knew why. I mean, John Fox didn't even know why. And certainly Mike Glennon didn't know why. But if you're you have to as a GM, you have to have everything as a possibility when you hold the, the golden ticket, Willy
1: Wonka. <laughs> no, it's a great. It absolutely is. It makes sense. I'll tell you why, Brian. I think the answer to your question about whether he should consider drafting a quarterback number one overall is no. I'll tell you next.
0: Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago.
1: Jeff Miller, Brian Hanley with you here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app reacting to yesterday's playoff action and also talking about the Bears having the number one overall pick what should they do Well Ryan polls is Justin Fields the guy even with the number one pick? Well we're gonna do the same as we've always done We're
0: gonna evaluate the draft class and I would say this I'd have to be absolutely blown away to
1: make that type of decision All right Brian so you asked the question that you put out on Twitter with the uh, the poll. Can you uh, rephrase for me as I get my answer all ready to go here? Yeah,
2: should, should the Bears consider drafting a quarterback with the number one overall pick? And it's a yes or no question, and I'm with Brian Pohl. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was just boilerplate GM language, I'd have, but he said I'd be blown away. Well, you have to allow yourself the opportunity to be blown away. My point is you can't go into the offseason saying uh, Justin Fields is the guy, therefore we're not even going to be bothered by doing due diligence on – You know whether you know you go to the Alabama quarterback Mm -hmm. C.J. Stroud. Where I mean, it's not a great quarterback class, but my point is, you can't just dismiss it out of hand. You better consider everything.
1: If you allow me some latitude, I say no because of the in understanding consider. Right, that's obviously the key term here. Sure, you should consider as a GM everything. It should always be on the table. But if you allow me to drill a little bit deeper here, the reason I say no. Is because based on the prospects available in this draft, when you look at Bryce Young, Will Levis, and he still not he still hasn't declared, so this is also an interesting um, aspect that could be another thing that goes in the Bears' favor. But C.J. Stroud, who I think a lot of people have expected to declare for the draft, he still has
2: making like isn't he making like two million dollars in the uh, NIL? uh,
1: Probably. Yeah. Um, and you no, know, but so he still has not declared yet, and because they lost to Georgia, you know they had the opportunity to kick a potential game-winning field goal there. Um, you know there is some question about whether or not he might return to Ohio State next year, which would just be more leverage for the Bears because hey, if you want a quarterback in this draft, there's there would be one less available if CJ yep. Stroud does not declare, one less first round caliber available, so that could also be a huge boon for them. So that's part of the reason why I say. No, because Bryce Young, Will Levis, there's too many questions surrounding those two particular players. And I think if you, based on having Justin Fields, having seen what he's done at the NFL level, um, and I'm not sold, Brian, like because of what you just talked about, I'm not sold on him being a great passer just yet. I'm open to the possibilities of him not even being the guy you sign long term. But what I'll say is, I don't think Bryce Young or Will Levis have the answers. They're not worth the risk and because the Bears have this number one overall pick, there's too much to be gained by treading it away to the highest bidder. Even if it doesn't live up to what some other teams have gotten, it's just it just makes sense for the Bears to go, you know, and take Chris Ballard up on his 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 uh, what he laid out for folks who may have missed it this week. Even what you said about
3: it has to be the right guy. If there's a quarterback in this draft that you think is that guy, would you move heaven and earth to get him? Would you go up to number one?
2: Yes, I do whatever it takes. If we if we thought there's a player that that we're driven to get that makes the franchise and the team better, that's what we would do.
1: You don't hear that too often.
2: Well, that should be the answer. I mean, I, and I, I'm not advocating that Justin Fields isn't the guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, I'm, but it, it's ninety-five to five. I mean, the five percent you still have to keep that door open. I'm with Chris Ballard. I, it doesn't appear that you have that guy in this class. Mm-hmm. But when you have the number one overall pick, you better dig and dig and dig. And if you think you found that guy, you make that you you go ahead and draft that guy and live with the decision. I mean, everyone thought Trevor Lawrence was absolutely the guy when he was selected number one overall pick, and and we're you know we're celebrating the the second half comeback in a wild wild card super wild card game,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but. How long did it take him to even get to that game? And, and he was down 27-0 because of four picks, whether they were unlucky and bat it down or bat it up, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I'm just saying that as a GM have- with that staff, with the scouting staff, and with all the film available, and with you know guys going to campuses and talking to everyone from the train the student trainers to the head coach, the position coaches, you you have to you know do all that and and put it on the table and say then you can say no one's as good as Justin Fields or we think Justin Fields ceiling is still here and it's much higher than these two. Then then you you know make I'm just saying you can't no one can look at this season with Justin Fields and say he's absolutely yeah. the guy.
1: You can't dismiss it out of hand. That's fair. What I'll say though is that I think no matter what the trade compensation the Bears can get for the number one overall pick is too good to pass up, especially when you've got Justin Fields in house, who again, I'm not completely sold as the franchise quarterback just yet, but I'm very encouraged by what we've seen and I'm hoping I'm hopeful that, you know, he can get better as a passer. And Luke Getze, once he has more weapons to use with Justin Fields, they can open up more, you know, open up him as a passer in this league. But when I look back Throughout the history of the league, you know the 49ers traded up for Trey Lance. They gave up three first round picks and a third rounder, a compensatory third rounder, when they traded up for Trey Lance. Uh, looking back, hey,
2: what what did we'll go back and look what Ryan Pace traded up? Uh, you know,
1: he remembered absolutely. John Lynch had,
2: he Peter traded King from Peter King was in the draft room with John Lynch, listening to that side of the phone call, and from, John Lynch is like, "Keep Chicago on the line." Absolutely, John Lynch had he's like, "I don't know." I mean, everyone. They just signed Mike Glenn to an $18 million contract for one. You know, why, why are they, you know, what is he doing here? But keep him on the line and, and look, the the boatload that Pace gave up probably set the organization back four or five years to move up one spot and get the guy who wasn't the guy. So I mean, it's all a crapshoot. I'm guess. glad
1: you brought it up. Ryan Pace to move up from the third overall pick to number two overall with those very 49ers that won yesterday, they gave up the third overall pick in that draft. They also gave up a third and a fourth rounder in that same draft. And then another third rounder in the next, in the following season's draft. So they gave up a first two thirds and a fourth to move up one pick from three to two. So that very well could be what you're looking at, you know, and that's without, you know, like you said, Ryan Pace kind of being scared of his shadow in that situation, not completely aware of what the rest of the league was doing, you know, not sure of who might be trying to trade up for that pick when you also could have just looked at it and said, you know what, I may be sold on Mitch Trubisky, but there's still Deshaun Watson and, oh, by the way, Patrick Mahomes. I've still got two other quarterbacks that I could fall back on. I probably shouldn't be so convinced that I know everything about it. Nevertheless, I digress. We've done that show before.
2: Well, so- but here's the, here's the thing, going back to that. It, it turns out that, Pace didn't even, they didn't even have sure. a meal. They didn't even have lunch with Deshaun Watson, who, you know, rubs people the wrong way or gets rubbed the wrong way. I, um, But at, at that point, when Patrick Mahomes, obviously, is the guy, he's the Hall of Fame guy, but you, the, you didn't even do enough due diligence on Deshaun Watson because you, you had this Mitch Trubisky infatuation. That's my point. You better do due diligence on, you know, hey, perfect scenario, go find yourself a Brock Purdy. I mean, I get yeah. you. I, I, you know. Don't give up any high draft picks, and I get trading with the Colts, and then taking those picks and parlaying them down and trading down yet again, and you know increasing that two or three fold. That's the way to go. But my point is, and I'm with you. I still want, I still want to believe Justin Fields is a guy, and I don't. I'm not saying he's not the guy. My point is, you better do due diligence on everyone who's a possibility as a quarterback before you make that decision
1: no it's fair my point though is that i look at bryce young he's too small that's too much of a question mark he you could very easily see him being a good player in the nfl but if he gets hit the wrong way nobody nobody would be surprised if he's littered with injuries throughout his career because of just his size and then will levis is such a huge question mark you know i just you've got justin fields in house so Take the draft assets, whatever it happens to be. I mean, we're talking minimum. You're going to get two first round picks and probably more for that first overall pick. And so that's why I say y- you're right. Like, always consider everything. But in practicality, I think the Bears are set up where they need to cash in on this first overall pick. Rudy, Absolutely agree. Rudy's Absolutely. in sherville He wants to weigh in, uh, Bry, on uh, Justin Fields and your question here. What's up, Rudy?
0: All right, good morning. Um, just a quick question. Realistically, if you decided to move on from Justin Fields, what do you think you'd get um, in regards to
1: um, a trade, yeah, the, trade back for him? him. So going that's the other way question. there, Bri.
2: That's a great question. I mean, so
1: forget trading the number one. If you're sold on someone like Young or Will Levis and you think they're the next great quarterback, then go ahead and trade Justin Fields. Now, right. that's the one that obviously gets Bears fans all riled up. I, and I do think you're going to get if you wanted to trade Justin Fields, Bri, you're going to get at least a first round pick from some team that wants him. You look at like the Jets right now, and how badly would they love Justin Fields, right? Are yeah, you, I are I you think going you're going to you're going to get a first round pick, but you're not going to necessarily get um a top 10 pick. It it depends on your, you know, your trade partner here. You would get a first round pick for Justin Fields. I have no question about that.
2: I, I you know, I, I don't have that same certainty uh, given what we've seen and not seen from Justin Fields and everyone gets, there's no offensive line and there's no wide receiver. We all know what he, what he's operating with or without. Um, But given where he was drafted Mm -hmm. and given what he's done here with bad people managing him, I, I I don't, it'd be, it's not going to happen. I mean, this is all conversation and I'm enjoying it, but I would love to know what the league thinks the value for Justin Fields is in terms of, the best running quarterback in the NFL currently, and and certainly the best in the Bears' history, um, but it's a passing league, and I don't I don't know that you would necessarily see, get a first from. You might get a second and a third. I, I don't. I, that, that's a, I that's a, that's a hypothetical. I just curious. I'd like to see it play out to see what the league weighs in on in terms of how they view him.
1: See, I look at it and I think I truly believe that if if and I don't think this is the way Ryan Poles would go. But if he entertained the notion of trading Justin Fields, I think there would be teams like the Jets, like the commanders, um, like the Colts. Now, the Colts, I don't believe, would trade you the number four overall pick necessarily for Justin Fields because he's already, you know, been on his contract for a couple of years here. But that I think that the Colts would give up next year's first round pick. And something for Justin Fields, and then you'd that's be in the- interesting.
2: Because Chris Ballard was asked, "Would you move heaven and earth to, mm-hmm. to if you believe that guy was franchise quarterback?" And he was. They were talking about you know kids coming out of college. That would be. I mean, I, I'd like to know: is he moving heaven and earth, just heaven, just earth? Maybe uh, it, it's a. I mean, that. I guess it boils down to that's. At, I hope I would have hoped to have a better um, body of evidence upon which to evaluate Justin Fields after this season than we do. And that's, that's the frustrating part because, again, through no fault of his own, and, and he did what he could, I still don't know. I, I was hoping I would be able to say with 80% certainty, yeah, he, that's the guy. That's what it looks like. You, you can move on and keep going because you need to build around him.
1: So much to talk about. He's Brian Hanley. I'm Jeff Meller. We'll continue to discuss this, what the Bears should do with the number one overall pick and Justin Fields in the future. And, oh, by the way, Kevin Warren was announced as the Bears' new team president. He will meet the media on Tuesday in his introductory press conference. The question for me is, will Kevin Warren want some input in football operations? Well, somebody who knows him very well was on this station earlier this week. We'll let you know what he thinks here on ESPN 1000.
0: Listen to us now, live on the ESPN Chicago app. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago.
1: Very busy week this past week for the Bears. They locked up the number one overall pick. Thanks to their old head coach, old friend, Lovie Smith and the Texans getting their irrelevant win against the Colts. Thank you very much, Houston. And of course, Ryan Poles met the media on Tuesday, wrapped up the season. And then we got word on Thursday that the bears were naming Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the big 10 as their new team president, And that led to Waddle and Sylvie having Paul Allen on and Paul Allen Noted in the interview, you can check it out if you want the entirety on ESPN Chicago, the ESPN Chicago app. It's all there for you, but I'll give you a little piece here. Paul mentioned, Brian, how he is very good friends with Kevin Warren. He gave a personal testimonial vouch for Kevin Warren. Everyone I hear from and everything I read about Kevin Warren, anybody who really has had any real interaction with him on a personal basis swears by him. I mean, so that in itself, I think, is a is a, is a a great starting point for where the Bears are at. And the question for me initially was, okay, so you're going to name him team president based on the flow chart and how the Bears will, you know, and hopefully we'll get some clarity on Tuesday as to exactly how we expect it to go. But it seems to make sense that Kevin Warren will be above Ryan Poles on the flow chart, right? Would you agree yes, with
2: that? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, so as team president, that would be... The I think the fair way to assume it's going to operate. And I'm sure somebody will ask that question at the introductory press conference this Tuesday. However, Paul Allen was asked by Waddle and Sylvie, "Hey, will Kevin Warren want input on football operations?" When Kevin was chief operating officer here.
3: Rick Spielman was the general manager, George Payton, now the Broncos GM was his right-hand man. And, you know, Kevin, I mean, I can't remember him coming to practice that much, you know, but he'd go on all the road trips, so he was intimately involved with things. But I never heard of or know of any time, you know, Kevin would like come over the top on somebody and be like, well, no, it needs to be like that. Now, granted, he's chief operating officer, and Mark Wilk, the co-owner, he's the team president. Well, now you know Kevin's the president, and and the CEO title. So you know it's there. There, I'm not. I'm not trying to make anybody sound like an opportunist. But off this three and fourteen, second year general manager, second year head coach. I mean, honestly, if Kevin like put his hands into things with with the equity he has, and he's like, you know, I'd like to have a say here. um, It'd be really difficult to tell him no. My guess would be he's not going to be part of that Mm -hmm. simply because Kevin is very respectful of what people do. And I would imagine the general manager would answer to the team president. So then you would have that level of hierarchy. And so that right there, in essence, would, would kind of put him into football operations a little bit. But like, you know, when we get to the draft, man, and you know, if you're deciding to put a little pressure on Justin or take a defensive tackle or an offensive lineman with that that one or trade that one, well, he's not going to be the one that, like, right. you know, comes into the draft room and, and just, just comes over the top of the giant opinion. That That's just not
1: him. The voice of Paul Allen, the play-by-play man for the Vikings for a long time, and, of course, somebody who has worked for Kevin Warren in the past.
2: And, and P.A., I love P.A., and one thing about PA, he tells you he's not blowing smoke anytime he talks, right? He'll tell you exactly how he feels. Mm-hmm. So I, I I buy his opinion, and, and I'll take it to the bank. And But there are two different ways to manage and be a president. The biggest concern I always have with the Bears is, God bless George McCaskey, he's one of the most decent guys in the world. He basically tells you he doesn't have a clue about football, and we know the way the Bears have operated the whole mccaskey clan doesn't have a clue about football mm-hmm. um they are lucky to inherit uh said team um uh, ted phillips this goes back forever but i did a, a sports business symposium and we had john mcdonough and we had ted and we had i think i don't know pax was there at the time but we had the executives uh, from all the uh, different organizations and in the green room prior to that we're talking to ted and ted basically it said in in so many words I didn't know much about football when I took over as president because he was the accountant, right? But he was the guy who got Soldier Field rehab done. And the McCaskey's had been fighting with Daly, Mayor Daley forever, so they were so appreciative. He got elevated to team president. But he thought within, like, 20 years, he was that guy who was going to sit in, in football meetings and, and express at least an opinion, yeah, which was crazy because I've always said I can sit there and watch brain surgery for 20 years, where you wouldn't want me taking the scalpel. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. if you were on the table. To, the, to that point, I think Kevin knows more football than any of these people who've had the title before, including yep. Ted. But you can manage and just be smart enough to hire smart people and let people do what they do, and then be smart enough, even if you're not the best X's and O's guys, to evaluate how that guy is doing in his job, right? I mean, he can look at Ryan Poles and say, well, that, that Chase Claypool move ended up being horrific. You know, what were you thinking then? Uh, you know, that what you got back for the first overall pick was, you know, not nearly enough. Or what did you do with those assets once you made that trade? So I think you hired a smart guy here, but first and foremost they hired him because that's a hell of I haven't been up to that new stadium in, in the Vikings new stadium. But everyone who is covered games up there, everyone who's been there said that should be the blueprint for what the Bears are gonna build in Arlington Heights. So I know that's his primary uh, responsibility uh, initially, but I'm not. I'm, he's not going to be in the draft room second guessing or first guessing people, but he is going to evaluate Ryan Paul's yeah. and eventually the coaching staff.
1: No, that's right. I think it's uh, and to your point, for anyone who wants to know more about the you know U.S. Bank Stadium up in Minneapolis, uh, Paul Allen also talked specifically about what makes it a really great stadium. So check that interview out on the Waddle and Sylvie podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. But yeah, I think to your point, Bri, sometimes that what I've always been most impressed by when it comes to people who are running organizations, not just sports franchises, but just organizations in general, is you can tell the smartest people know what they don't know. And they hire smart people to inform them, and ultimately they can delegate to the people. And we saw that firsthand here in Chicago with Theo Epstein, right? I think Theo, for all the credit he gets about being, you know, somebody who could walk on water and fix Mm -hmm. your baseball team, right? More than anything else, I think Theo also understood that he didn't have all the answers, but if you, you know... Hire a lot of smart people and surround yourself with a lot of smart people. And you have an open dialogue, right? And you have you can generally come to a good consensus and hopefully make smart decisions for the organization going forward. And based on everything I've heard from Kevin Warren, I am very encouraged and hopeful that that's exactly what you're, you're going to get with the new Bears team president who will be introduced on Tuesday.
2: Yeah, I mean, Theo was a great point, but he had done it in Boston, so he felt pretty – I mean, he interviewed Tom Ricketts. Tom Ricketts wasn't interviewing Theo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Theo was like, how much, you know, I got to do it my way, get out of the way, and I'll get it done for you. Uh, John McDonough, before the whole Kyle Beach uh, horror story, is a perfect example of what you're talking about, too. He was the the interim president for the Cubs, but he was a marketing guy, but he was smart enough that Rocky Wirtz identified him as being a smart guy who could hire smart hockey people, including Joe Quinville. And, you know, McDonough came in and did the unpopular thing of firing firing Savvy as a head coach. And how'd that turn out? Three Stanley Cups later. So I'm always of the, you know, get the smartest guy in the room to, to do whatever you need to, to be done. And, and Michael Reinsdorf, told Casey Johnson on the podcast on NBC Sports Chicago when they had a sit-down that that's what he did. He said, I'm not the big, biggest basketball mind in the world, but I believe I can identify smart people and let them do what they do. Now, Bulls fans this week might be wondering if AK and, and Mark are the, the smartest guys in the room, and that's fair, but that's what you you know you have to believe. And I still believe that Poles and Ibraflus are an upgrade from what we had, but time will tell if they're actually the guys.
1: Since we mentioned Theo, let's squeeze in Todd, who's in Highland Park. Hey, Todd, you're on ESP 1000, Mellor and Hanley. <laughs> what do you got? Hold on. Ah, Todd, I, I need you to be ready, my man. 312 We did mention uh, Theo there, and you mentioned how he interviewed Tom Ricketts. Tom Ricketts actually did an interview on the station with Cap and Jay Hood. I'll let you hear what he had to say coming up next.
0: This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000.
3: Mancini first pitch swinging. Drive deep right center field. Way back. It's out of here. Trey Mancini with his first home run of the season.
1: If you were uh, locked in on playoff football yesterday and you missed it, the Cubs... As Jesse Rogers broke the news yesterday, have signed Trey Mancini to a two-year, $14 million guaranteed deal. So they make a significant addition to the roster. A man who has been a fabulous story, Bri, coming back from cancer when he did not play the entire 2020 season. And came back in 2021, hit 21 home runs. Last year, he hit 18 as he split his time between baltimore and the houston astros so uh trey mancini will be somebody who man's first for the most part probably plays a little bit of dh as well for the cubs and uh pretty significant power bat to their lineup here
2: yeah and they need power and you know it's great i mean and he has an opt-out after the first year on yep. the two-year deal so if he, if things go his way he can try to get paid again and the idea that he and Hosmer can can hold down first base depending where you got a lefty or righty on the mound. And you don't put as, as great as Matt Murphys has been accelerating himself through the uh, Cubs system. You can give him a little more time, a little more seasoning. You don't have to throw him in the mix necessarily unless he forces the, the conversation, right? So yeah. it's uh, look what, what Jed Hoyer has done in the last two or three weeks as a Cubs fan, I, you know, I was so frustrated with the, Oh, we're going to spend intelligently and blah, blah, blah. I'm glad. I mean, you got Swanson and, and, you know, things are starting to look up and it looks like they're getting serious about at least going in the right direction and not just kind of treading water here.
1: You mentioned him, so I'll play it here first. Jed Hoyer was on with Waddle and Sylvie on Friday and they asked him about expectations for this season.
2: I think we're going to compete.
3: You know, certainly uh, I, I was just saying, I think that, you know, the, the six teams that make the playoffs in the National League are definitely going to earn it. I mean, there's a lot of really good teams that are in kind of win-now mode in the National League. But uh, I expect to compete, and I expect that this is, a, like I said before, I think this is the start of something. I think that we're going to get better each year uh, going forward. Um, and uh, But I, I certainly expect to be a, a fun team to watch. I think we're going to catch the ball really well. I think we're going to you know uh, certainly run the bases well. I think it will be a really fun team to watch. And I think that um, we're going to compete. I think if everything goes right, we can uh, have a really fun summer.
1: So there you go, putting the uh, expectations a little bit higher than they've been. Over the past couple seasons, there, the Cubs team president Jed Hoyer, Uh, Tom Ricketts, a man who owns the Chicago Cubs, was on with Cap and Jay Hood on Friday, and he talked about spending more money and changing things up, as opposed to just kind of you know sitting by idly like they have been the past few seasons. And if you look back, like we um, we went all in for those years, and and part of the reason that we had to take a little bit of a breather on the free agent market the last couple of years was we drained our farm system and we put all the money out there and we were among the top spenders and and we just couldn't get another championship out of, out of that group of guys as much as we tried and uh, so we knew we had to rebuild and we, we had to um, we had to you know start building the next great cub team and so as we sit here today I think we, we were kind of past that inflection point where you know, we're, uh, we've we got a good minor league system. We've got a good team on the field this year. And we're just going to get better over the next few years and try to get back on top. And we'll see if they're willing to splurge now going forward that they're hopefully getting back to being a more competitive baseball team, Bry.
2: Yeah, and not only do you know, Tom talk about draining the, the, the farm system. They flirted with and exceeded the luxury tax. And, and you don't want to be a repeat offender because each year you, that you compound it and go over that, uh, the the tax becomes very onerous so even though they're spending more money i think they're i thought they're, they're in the 175 175 million total payroll somewhere in there but it's still well below what they did when they were trying to win playoff games in world series right so um they still have jed jed said it it's the start of something it's uh they still have a lot of assets and a lot of money, uh, hopefully, that they're going to put towards us as they start to see results from what they've done this year.
1: Mellon Hanley here on ESPN 1000 wrapping things up. All right, we are a third of the way through Super Wild Card Weekend. Bri, we've still got four games left to go, starting with the Dolphins and Bills at noon today. There's no chance the Dolphins can be competitive in this one, is there?
2: Well, unless Brock Purdy shows up for him, I don't. Um,
1: Skyler Thompson, I don't think yeah. he's Brock, Park, Brock Purdy. <laughs>
2: well, you know, we, what we saw yesterday, who knows, right? I mean, I, I, I can't, yeah, I'm with I you do think, though, not.
1: Purdy gave us a little bit of an inclination that he has, you yes, know. And obviously, right. he's got Kyle Shanahan kind of. Oh, I guess Mike yeah. McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan protege, so you never know.
2: You never know. I'm and, not uh, expecting
1: much from the Dolphins.
2: Before I tune into that game, um, I'm going to watch my Marquette, uh, 25 Marquette, after knocking off six UConn, take on... Number 12, Xavier, in just a few minutes here. So uh, All big, right. big week for the Golden Eagles, hopefully climbing up in that top 25. And Shaka Smart got something going with this team. God bless.
1: Look at you. Um How about Giants-Vikings? Any thoughts on that one?
2: Well, I mean, the Vikings have just been on, you know, on, on borrowed house money. Sure. I mean, if... Can they pull another one possession last second game out of that? I'm I i, I I'm going with the Giants on this I'm one. I'm with
1: you. I like the Giants in this one. They're getting three. And then finally today concludes with the uh, Ravens at the Bengals for the nightcap. How about that one? How do you see it? I guess Anthony Brown and Tyler Huntley are going to play a little bit for the Ravens.
2: Yeah, so that's why I'll go Cincinnati.
1: Makes it like a fair... Uh, a fair point there. All right. So that does it for us, Bry. I want to say thank you to you, my man, for uh, providing lots of great content today. Thanks to Jake Cantu behind the glass for producing this show. We'll be back next week. 312 332 3776, as always, if you want to get in. Of course, Keep us locked here for all your Bears information. Again, we've got Kevin Warren, the introductory press conference on Tuesday. Lots of Bears to continue to talk about throughout the offseason. I'm Jeff Meller for Brian Hanley. Thanks so much for listening. This is ESPN 1000.